Hey, this is uh, John Strauza, and welcome to the Sower Seed podcast. And um, today we're going to continue talking about God's love for you. This is part two. And it's a topic that's probably at the top of the list of things that every Christian should know about their relationship with the Lord. We come to know the Lord, we get saved, and we go through this, we start going to church, and whatever the case may be, and wherever you are, whatever kind of church you're going to, um, the most important thing to begin developing is a love relationship with God. I mean, it would be like saying, you know, it's not important to have that at the top of the list for a marriage. It would be at the top of the list if you were married to have a loving relationship. And you get to know each other and all these things. And the same holds true with God. And a lot of people, surprisingly, don't know God's love for them. They accept the fact that he died for them. And it's kind of a basic thing in their minds. They, they have it to a little degree. They don't have it to a great degree. And you can't give what you don't have. If you don't understand God's great love for you as an individual, and if you just think he's angry at you or just tolerating you, you're not really going to live a very abundant life. You're going to kind of muddle through, and you're going to go through the motions. You go to church, and you do different things. But those who live successfully in the Lord and those who accomplish wonderful things in this Christian life are those who understand God's love for them. They really see it. And this is my hope for you today. Um, so let's, let's get on and talk with this a little bit more. We're going to bring in more scriptures than we did last time. Last time was an overview. This we're going to dig just a little deeper. And with these short podcasts, we really only have so much time to get into so many verses. There are hundreds of verses and I'm asking you to take what we are giving you here today and go and seek these things out and find more and look more and dig deep into it. This is the most important part of your Christian walk, especially when you're starting out. But it stays that way. It's always about love. It always is. Everything has to do with love. So, you know, moving forward, it's God the Father loved you so greatly. And we know this. We we say this. We read it. Um but you got to let this sink in. God loved you so much that he did send his only son to redeem and justify us. That was why he sent him. And to take us out from underneath the weight of the law, the Old Testament law. Jesus purchased a faith righteousness for us by dying in our place. We're no longer in fear of being judged or condemned by the law or performance, but we're sons now. We walk as sons. We have a personal relationship. And that's really, really important. We were adopted as sons and we inherited all the rights and benefits of sonship with God. We're co-heirs with Jesus. And we sit with him in heavenly places. That is a big deal. That's who we are. And most Christians are not aware of that. We're no longer under, the, under guilt because of our you know, past failures and in the face of a law, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And inevitably we will. We'll fall. You can make any law and it'll get broken. And if you've broken one, according to the, the law, if you've broken one, you've broken it all. 
So it was impossible to live under the Old Testament law. And Jesus came to set us free from that. So we walked out of court, in a sense, free of all judgment. You know, the court where the wrath of God was. We were, Jesus made us free of all judgment from sin. And we became adopted children with a full inheritance. And I want to show you some verses. I want to go into this scripturally so you can see some of this. There's the famous verse. We have John 3.16, but I want to go just a little bit before there with John 3.14. And so I want you to take a look at that. And Jesus is talking and he says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And it goes on to say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent his Son not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There's a lot there. And what Jesus started saying was the Son of Man would be lifted up. It meant he was going to be put on a cross. He referred to Moses lifting up a serpent in the wilderness, and that's a whole other story, but it's, it relates to the cross of Jesus. And when Jesus was on the cross, one of the things I think we don't see or realize, or maybe you don't see it enough, or as clearly as we could, is that Jesus became us. He became our sin. He became a curse. And the scripture bears this out, and I'm going to show you that it does. But that's what Jesus was talking about when a son of man must be lifted up. He had to die. He came to die. And that sounds terrible. And it was terrible. But he did it out of love. And this is what's important. He did it out of love for you. I said this in the last episode, and I'm going to say it again. He did that for you. Whatever your name is, you can say your name and say, God loved me, and he did this for me. And he did. And he didn't even do it to make you feel guilty. He did it to create a one-on-one, -on -one faith-based righteousness relationship with him. God reconciled us to him through Jesus. That was their plan. And that, it says it right in this verse, for God so loved the world. But that meant he loved you. It was you in the world. He didn't do it for trees and mountains. He did it for you. He did it for me. He knew we were stuck. We knew as people we were stuck. We couldn't do anything. We just couldn't get free. The law was present for thousands of years. Not one person accomplished the law. That's a pretty bad record. But the law was there to show us one thing, our sin. The law will never tell you you've done anything right, ever. The law doesn't tell you you've done something right. The law will tell you you've done something wrong. And we can't live by the law. Our righteousness was paid for. He was purchased. And he became sin. He became 
the curse. And I'm going to show you that in a, in, a, in a couple of verses here. This is really, really important. But God so loved the world that he gave his son. And his son was lifted up on the cross and died. So let's see what happened in that process. He became a curse for us. I've said that a couple of times. Look in Galatians. Galatians 3, verse 13 and 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. There it is. Christ redeemed us. This is what Christ did. He's, he's, Paul wrote this and he's telling us. The Apostle Paul wrote this. And he's telling us what happened. A lot of people don't know what happened in their salvation. This may seem elementary, but many people don't know. It's not on the forefront of their hearts. They don't know. All they know is they were forgiven. They muddle through life. That's about it. They go to church. It's the beginning and the end of it all. There's so much more. Christ gave, came to give you an abundant life. There's so much more. So here it is again. Galatians 3.13. Let's read it again. Christ redeemed us, he purchased us from the curse of the law. That, that law had us stuck. We were in prison, but we were redeemed from it. Having become a curse for us in our place, he became that curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who, look at this, hangs on a tree. That means a cross. In order that Christ Jesus, the, uh, that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, not the works of the law, not by following through with the law, but through faith. Our righteousness is received by faith, because Jesus is our righteousness, and when we look to Him and believe Him. Believe it or not, and I hope you do believe it, you're redeemed from all curses. There's no curse that's yours, not one. We're set free from all curses. Jesus became the curse, and, and was, that was nailed to the cross. That's why he was nailed to the cross, to kill the sin and the curse and all of that. He became sin. And even though he died, he was perfect. So death couldn't hold him down. And he would raise up the first among us to raise from the dead. Free from the law, free from the curse. We were made free from sin. And there's another verse I want you to see because Jesus became sin. Second Corinthians, Paul's writing again. The Apostle Paul brought more understanding about what happened uh, to us in our salvation than any other in Romans uh, through these letters. Now, he didn't write the book of Hebrews, but Hebrews is the same thing. It's, uh, we don't think he wrote the book of Hebrews. It's the same thing. Whoever wrote it is showing us what our salvation is about. So you have to look and seek these things out. But here's a, an amazing verse that the Apostle Paul wrote, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. 
Look at this. He's talking about God the Father, what God the Father did. For he, meaning God the Father, has made him, meaning Jesus, to be sin for us. He made him to be sin. Who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now that, that is almost too much to even understand. I said it in the last one. God literally turned his back on the Son because the Son, when he was on the cross, was sin and the curses of the law. He became a curse. He became the sin. He became the sickness, all that's wrong. He became that. And Jesus allowed himself to become that and to be killed. And what was being killed was all that sin and those curses. He, he killed it. So here you are in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he made him to be sin for us, for us, because he loves you. And Jesus knew no sin. Jesus was faultless. And he took the place of sin and this curse. These verses bear this out very clear. It's not something you can argue with. It's there it is. It's plain language. That we would become the righteousness of God. You know, if we were to go on our feelings and stuff, we, we don't feel righteous. And I do want to say something. There's a lot of teaching going on today that says God's grace is everything. It's not everything. It's a massive part of what has happened to us. But people use that to say, well, just come to God as you are, which is accurate. And just remain as you are, which is not accurate. Love, this love, this life. Paul talks about it at length, that, that we died with Christ and we raised a new creature. We're a new being. You didn't die in your sins just to continue living in your sins. Paul bears this out in Romans 4, 5, 6, and 7, and 8. Very clearly. It's worth reading. So for those Christians who think they're just going to go on walking just as they were before, well, God may have forgiven you of all those sins. That's true. It's forgiven. But God's purpose wasn't to leave you there. If he... If he died to kill the curse of the law, and if he died to kill the sin, that all has to go. You don't have to be an addict anymore. You don't have to live in sin anymore. You don't have to be addicted to terrible things. You're free. And when you believe what Jesus did, you will see that freedom start to manifest itself in your life. You may not feel free right away, but you, you will see it happen. It is a process. We're not free and perfect in one day of our salvation. We walk in this. We walk by faith. But if you look in God's word, God's word is everything for you. If you look in there, you'll start seeing how you can walk. And you say, Lord, I want that. And he'll say, you've got that. Walk in it by faith. And we become sons. I brought that out in the last one. We are sons and daughters. All that Jesus did here was to... To make us children, and I say sons meaning it in a broader term, daughters and sons, that's what I mean. And in John, look at this beautiful scripture. 
John 8 and 36. It's small, but man, it's powerful. Because what I was just reading to you in these other verses is that we were set free. We were set free from sin. We were set free from the curse of the law. We were set free from sickness. So much. And it says in this, John 8 and 36, this is a beauty. If the Son therefore make you free, you shall be free indeed. Now that was John basically saying, if God's saying he made you free and he's made you free and he's done all of this through the cross and the resurrection, you're not just free, brother and sister, you are free indeed. You're really free. And the more you see that, the more your walk in this Christian life is going to change. Praise God, this is really something else. I want you to look at another verse. This is Old Testament. David wrote this particular thing, and it's Psalm 103, right in the beginning. And it's about the benefits of the Lord. This is, this is really looking forward. You know, God was merciful and everything in the Old Testament too, but this, this just is just reeking of New Testament as well. It's a psalm of David, and it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth, your vitality, so that means, is renewed like the eagles. Now that is amazing. That's just verses 1 through 5 in Psalm 103. Again, grab that and go into there and look at this. This is the goodness of God. And these are absolutes here. A lot of people don't believe in absolutes because they depend on their feelings or their emotions or their experience even. This is a process. This is a process to know and to learn the love of God. This is, these are the benefits of God who, who forgives every iniquity, every sin. It's all forgiven, folks. All of it. Past, present, future. Your sins are forgiven. And if you sin and make a mistake, God loves you and he's forgiven you. And you just go back to him and say, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I didn't do that, Lord. And show me the strength and the freedom I have to walk right out of that sin. I don't have to live in this sin. I know it in my head, but I want to know it in my heart. That's how good God is. And you're a son and you're a daughter. And we have the right, look at Hebrews 4 and 16. We have the right to come before God with confidence, boldly. Whoever wrote Hebrews wrote this verse. It said, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. And I don't mean to be funny here, but when are you not in a time of need? We are totally in need and dependent on, on Jesus, on God. So you can always <laughs> go to the throne of grace. You can live there and obtain mercy and find grace 
Because God is good. He's not angry with you. That wrath that would have come with Old Testament law is gone. It's gone. That was the transition from Old Testament to New Testament. That part is gone. It doesn't mean God can't correct us or show us something's wrong and show us in the Word something's got to change. That's part of growth. That's not wrath. But that anger that some people wince when they looked at... They, they, the reason this verse is so critical, the day in which it was written, this was a radical statement. Because back in those days in the Old Testament, only one person a year could come before the presence of God. And it was under very strict circumstances and rules and regulations. And they grew up knowing this, that only one person could do that. It was a high priest. And it was a serious matter. They had to wash and they had to do all these things for that priest to go in and pray uh, in for the sins of the people and do whatever sacrifice he had to do for the sins of the people. He didn't, he didn't pray for them per se. He, he made sacrifices. The people who heard this and read this, this was a radical statement because no one was going directly to God back in those days. And Jesus opened up the door for us to go directly to God. One-on-one. -on -one. And to do so boldly, meaning with a confidence. Not arrogance, confidence that we were not going to be struck down, that we were not, lightning was not going to hit us. You don't live in that day anymore. Even in the Old Testament, God was very merciful. But it's different now. You're a son. It's one-on-one. -on -one. You're a daughter, one-on-one. -on -one. Look at this little verse in Corinthians. It says, He that is joined unto the Lord... This verse is uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and 17, actually. I should have said that. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. That's like a marriage. You're one with him. We're sons. We're daughters. Look at 1 John 3. Let's look at that. Um, verses 1 through 3. Uh, this is 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. And such we are. For this reason the world doesn't know us because it didn't know him. Beloved, now are we the children of God. And it doesn't appear as of yet what we will be. Uh, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him because we'll see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. In other words, we, we walk in him because we have this hope that Jesus is coming back and we don't know what we're going to look like when we go to heaven and all of that. That's what John is saying here. But he's saying currently, right here, right now, we're sons, we're daughters. Walk your life out that way, dear brothers and sisters. Walk your life out as if you are a beloved son and daughter of God. And go to him and say, Lord, show me this love. Show me in my heart so I see it. Because when you fall in love with God, you're going to, you're going to live different. You won't care about 
the world. You just won't care about it. Not in the same way. You'll love him and and what you'll have to give will be so much more valuable. But the most important part right now, what this message is all about, is that you, the believer, go back to the Lord, go back and study these things out, go back and look and look for other examples, look at how Jesus treated people and see that he loved them. And Jesus said, you know, if you have seen me, you've seen my Father. If you've seen me, you've seen my Father. Jesus was the perfect representation of the Father. You know, the scripture says, no man has seen the Father except the Son. But when we've seen the Son, we've seen the Father. That's how we have seen the Father is through the Son. And he's your Father. Jesus said it to Mary Magdalene when, when she came to find him at, uh, at his tomb. He said, go tell your brothers and my brothers. He called them brothers. That he was going to your father and my father. He declared then that God was their father. This is deep. This is the love of God. And this is why I'm saying in this message, God loves you. Thank you for being with us this time again. I hope this this message has blessed you today. Uh, look through these scriptures, and if you do anything, study out and pray and look and see. Uh, ask God to show you his love for you. It'll change your life. It'll bless you. God bless you. We'll see you next time.